0: Okay, let's get going. Gosh, it's nice to see some new faces. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, each each Tuesday is sort of standalone. You know, it's not like a, you know, obviously you pick up things over time. Um, some people have been coming to this class for like three or four years now. Um, If you come to meditation classes long enough, you'll realize that basically there's not that much to say. (laughs) It's not actually that complicated at the level of theory. It's just hard to actually implement in one's life. Um, And so it's actually like simple things that I just say over and over again, people hear over and over again. And um, And then the interesting thing is like over time, you hear new things in those simple things, new deaths. Um, If this, yeah. So I think it's good to see people. Yeah, welcome. Okay. So um, let's begin with a very brief meditation. Then I wanna say a little bit about um, the topic for tonight. And then we'll sit a little bit more after I say something, but like I want to speak a little bit before that medium-sized sitting in the middle of the class to kind of frame it, to frame that practice. And then there'll be time for discussion and Q&A afterwards. During the Q&A, so that the people on Zoom can hear, I'm going to pass around this wireless mic. So um, just raise your hand. And maybe I could get a little help someone could just like ferry the mic to someone. And so just please hold off until the mic is in your hand to speak for the sake of everyone who's online. Um, Okay. So just get in a position that is comfortable enough for you. The ideal, um, the thing to look for is a back that's straight so that your front side isn't collapsed in any way because you want your breath to be able to move freely. So back that's erect though not stiff and a front side that is soft and open so the belly and chest can move freely with the breath. And once you get into a position in which you can breathe freely, please take a few deep breaths in through your nose, a nice, slow, deep in-breath, filling up your torso with oxygen and exhale slowly through your slightly open mouth, drawing the out-breath out nice and long and slow. And just take a few deep breaths in this way, in through your nose, feeling your entire upper body inflate, your back lengthen.
1: And then breathe out slowly through your slightly open mouth. As you breathe in, you might even try visualizing
0: Your spine being filled with air like it's a long thin balloon. Kind that people make balloon animals out of. Feel the spine inflate and elongate. And as you exhale, imagine your spine as being like a coat rack, and you're just hanging the rest of your body
1: on the spine, letting everything hang and relax. And after your next exhalation, just let your breath now breathe
0: itself at its own rhythm, no longer artificially manipulating the breath to be nice and slow, but rather just letting the breath be however it will.
1: The breath might be shallow, erratic. Let the breath be however it is. And now please bring
0: your awareness to the places where your body is making contact
1: with something that is supporting its weight. Feel the contact
0: of the ground against your legs or your
1: feet on the ground. Feel the sensations of your buttocks on the seat or the cushion that you're sitting on. And you might notice whether
0: or not you're holding any unnecessary tension in any parts of your body. It's the end of a long day. You probably come into the sitting for having built up some residual tension in your buttocks, your back,
1: your shoulders. And as you sit here for a few moments,
0: if your awareness comes across a place where you realize, oh, wow, I'm really carrying some tension there, invite that part of the body to give up its weight, to to let go and let the earth, let the
1: seat you're sitting on take your weight and support you. And now I'd like you to bring your
0: awareness to all of the sounds in the space around you. And imagine yourself as being like a satellite dish, just passively receiving whatever sounds and signals are coming your way. Not actively grasping for sounds, not trying to identify sounds, but just receptively open to
1: whatever comes your way. One way I like to think about this is like those
0: scenes in martial arts films where someone is surrounded by combatants all around, perhaps even up in the trees and they don't know from which direction the next attack will come. And so the only way to be ready and responsive is to be open to all the sounds around you. So you can hear the slightest
1: movement of a branch or the movement of gravel on the ground So let your hearing be open in that way. Inevitably thoughts will carry you away. You'll start
0: thinking about this or that. Memories will intrude plans for later tonight or tomorrow. Perhaps a grudge you're holding against someone, a difficult conversation you had today will all pop into mind and carry you away so that you lose track of the sounds around you. And when that happens, and it will a number of times, just notice that it's happened, that alone is huge. It's one of the core aspects of meditation practice. Just noticing when the mind distracts us. And once you notice that you've become lost in thought, gently and without judgment,
1: bring yourself back to the open hearing of sounds around you. If you notice yourself straining to hear everything around you,
0: see if you can relax and ease into a soft
1: receptiveness. Hearing not as an activity, but a form of receptivity. Even people who have meditated for
0: many years sometimes beat themselves up when they can't stay focused on whatever they're trying to focus on, like sounds in this
1: case. But there's nothing wrong with the mind thinking. In
0: fact, one of the purposes of meditation is to better know our own mind. So, If your mind is feeling active now, is pulling you away from sounds repeatedly, don't judge that. Each time the mind gets pulled away, just notice that it's been pulled away. Notice what kind of thought has pulled you away and then just come back to the sound. This is the essence of meditation practice. It's not about staying focused single-mindedly on something, but using an anchor like sounds as a way to better understand the nature of your mind. If that mind is active and even a little bit frantic
1: right now, just notice that. Okay, this is good for an opening meditation.
0: I'm gonna talk for a little bit, so feel free to move, sit up if you like, do whatever you like, but also just feel free to stay in um, whatever position you're in now. Um, So I don't know if you guys on Zoom can hear this, but I think our Latin dance group has their practice time at the same time in the next room. (laughs) So we're hearing some pretty cool salsa beats like through the floor. And actually, I think it's actually a, it's a good thing to practice with. Um, you know, meditation doesn't have to be done in a quiet or s- silent place. Um, everything is part of our environment. And so, um, so f- just feel the vibrations in the floor, listen to sounds. Nothing wrong with it. Um, so I actually want to spend a little bit of time tonight. Talking about um, the importance of um, and the benefits of learning to be with discomfort, um, and it comes out of it's a it's a it's a perennial topic for meditation um, classes. It's it's one of the most important things for anyone who does meditation to learn how to do, um, and yet I think my um, approach to it tonight is very much informed by um, what I've seen teaching a class on Zen uh, to William students this semester. Um, And so um, so it's gonna be sort of geared towards like what I'm seeing my students right now struggling with. um, Though I think it's gonna be very much applicable to anyone and people of any age. But um, so, If I had to sort of name one thing that is actually giving um, the students I'm teaching this semester, and this is kind of similar, every semester I teach this class, but I think I'm teaching 90 students this semester. So I'm seeing many more of them at one time. And I'm also getting every single time we meet twice a week, some written feedback from them. So I'm getting a very textured sense of how they're responding to the class meditation practice and the readings every single time we meet. And I think a much more textured sense than I've ever gotten when I taught this class before, because I didn't ask people for this kind of regular daily feedback. Um, And I think um, that, so what I've seen as I've been teaching this class this fall is that the single most difficult thing for um, the students I'm working with is being with difficult feelings or emotions.
1: Um, When different kinds of
0: emotions come up like fear or um, anxiety or grief, or um, anger or but especially I think fear and anxiety or maybe sadness that's been sort of stored away for a long time. What I'm sensing is that, um, and I, I mean, I'm not just sensing, the students are really just telling me this quite directly because they're quite self-aware. I mean, is that they just are afraid of what's coming up. They, they feel this stuff welling up and they feel like they can't handle it. And a number of people have even used a language of they feel like if they let it come up, they might fall apart, you know. Um, and, um, and so then what often develops is not, so it's not just that the students are feeling these very natural and understandable difficult emotions, especially given both the stress of being a college student at a place like Williams, which is very high pressure. But also, if you take into account everything that's going on in the world, you know, the, the, the pandemic, the sort of unfinished racial reckoning that we're still going through and um, the climate crisis, like just these three things alone, let alone the collapse, not collapse, but the sort of like tenuous nature of our democracy, right? All these things, right? There's there's a lot of things that make us anxious. Um, so, it's not at all surprising that uncomfortable emotions are welling up. But what, what happens is because a number of these students are feeling that they just can't take it. This is like, this is literally, I'm not even putting words in them, these are their own words. Like, I can't handle it. I can't let myself feel this. I, I, I worry that if these, if I like open to these feelings, um, I might lose my grip, things will fall apart. And then often it's like, and I can't do that at a place like this, which requires me to keep a tight grip, you know, which, um, so if I'm gonna function here at the level and the speed that I need to, then I doubly cannot make room for these kinds of feelings. And so um, a kind of second order anxiety develops or fear about their own emotions. So there are these difficult emotions And then at another level, a fear of the emotions. And so it produces this really kind of pernicious and very toxic kind of feedback loop, where of course you're gonna have difficult emotions, but then you have this anxiety about them. And that anxiety exacerbates the emotions, which then increase anxiety and just people start spiraling. Um,
1: And so, I just am reminded
0: again by seeing these kinds of experiences ex- shared with me in very articulate and moving ways because these students are often so intelligent, and self-aware and can really express themselves so well. So it's very powerful reading these accounts.
1: And so, um, What I'm reminded of again,
0: as I have been reminded uh, um, many times before, is that somehow we in, let's just say in this culture, though, actually one student I'm thinking of uh, just, you know, just from a paper I read of her yesterday, was raised, born and raised in China. So I don't think it's unique to the the United States, Um, but it's just somehow we are raising young people without providing tools to be with difficult emotions, how to hold them, you know, how to actually be with them. And I don't think this is simply generational. This is not something about, I don't even know what generation you guys all are like, Gen Z, I don't know what, what but you know, it's not, cause I think I had this too, in fact, you know, so this, this was actually like what I was like when I was 19, 18, 19 years old too, you know? Um, And and in fact, I'm not even sure my own parents have yet figured out how to be with their emotions. So it's definitely not generational. I kind of, you know, I wish, I wish we could have a good conversation about that, but that's, yeah, I've learned better than try to go there with them. So, um, and so it's just something that I think we actually need to somehow consciously teach ourselves at some point, you know, and I think meditation practice is one of the most powerful ways to learn at an experiential level. I don't mean at an intellectual level, experiential level, how to be with even the most intense kinds of negative, difficult emotions and not be overwhelmed by them. It um, is one of the greatest gifts that meditation practice can offer us. Um,
1: and so, um, One, this actually, one of these students um, yesterday shared with me
0: a paper in which she talked about having conversations with her therapist about the class and about her own difficulties experiencing her emotions. And this therapist was actually very tuned into the power of meditation, actually suggested that when she feels an unpleasant emotion, that she actually bring her awareness to it rather than shy away from it. And ask certain questions like, what shape does that feeling have in your body? Where is it located? Um, If you had to give it a color, what color is it, you know? um, uh, You know, is it deep or in the body or is it on the surface? Just different things where she would actually like describe it to herself. Like be in relationship with the feeling rather than do the habitual. No, no, no. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want it to go away. Right. And this therapist was telling her, you know, as bad as it is, there's almost no emotion that you know if you just sit with it for 20 minutes it won't probably change in some way and move on. And that's one of the things that people who've meditated for a long time have experienced over and over again. Um, is how even things that feel so bad initially, which get our hackles up, which make us immediately go, no, if we can just be with them for a while, they move, they change, they alter. They may not become pleasant, I'm not trying to say that much, but they become things that we can live with and be with. Um, can radically change our relationship with things that we might initially say, I just can't face that, you know? Um, So um, I think I just wanted to um, tonight really just focus on this one aspect of meditation practice. It's just a small part. It's definitely not the whole thing. But I think it's a really important part. It's a part of practice that I think has so much to offer us these days when no matter what our age, no matter where we are, we are inevitably feeling a lot of intense emotion um, all the time. Because if we're just paying attention to what's going on in the world, you know, so um, so how does that look when we're actually practicing? right? So we're gonna sit for a little bit and um, and we're just gonna do something similar, but simpler than what we did earlier. We're just gonna start sitting, tuning into sounds. Okay, and then we'll notice when our mind gets pulled away and we'll come back to what I call the meditation anchor of sounds. The anchor can be anything by the way. Often the anchor is the breath, sensations of the breath. Sometimes it could be a mantra, right? There's so many different things that you can anchor. And it's called an anchor because it's something that you use to bring your awareness back to over and over again. And, um, but at some point as we're sitting, it may have already happened to you in the first thing, your body will start to become uncomfortable and you will want to move. And what I invite you to do is to not give in to the impulse to move. Um, I'm pretty loosey-goosey about moving during meditation. I'm very soft about it. I say, if you feel uncomfortable, move. But it can be incredibly powerful, actually resolve at the beginning of a sitting to not move your body no matter what be completely still. So if you want to scratch and itch, don't. If your back starts to hurt a little bit or your legs start to hurt a little bit, don't move. Instead, bring your awareness to the part of the body that is calling to you to adjust. What does it feel like to have something that you just want to scratch so bad. What does it feel like to have a part of the body that's calling out to you to move because it feels so uncomfortable? If you think your body is actually going to be hurt by not moving, by all means move. But my guess is that in the context of a 15 minute meditation, nothing in your body is gonna break, right? unless you're sitting in some posture, you shouldn't be sitting in, in the first place, right? So for those of you, especially in this room who are sitting cross-legged on a hardwood floor, (laughs) I don't think it'll take very long for you to get uncomfortable, but it's also not gonna kill you to feel that discomfort, right? Um, So these moments of discomfort, which seems so innocent, like what would be the big deal about moving our bodies, getting ourselves a little more comfortable so that we can focus more you know, so that we're not so distracted. But see, but that's not the point. The point is not to stay focused on the anchor. The point is actually to learn how not to be so overwhelmed by our discomfort that we need to constantly adjust our bodies. And here, we're just moving our bodies, right? We're just shifting our body. Out there, when we're in our regular lives, that means, okay, binge watching for two hours, right? It means maybe having that extra drink that you don't really need that night. It means doing something else, maybe even more self-destructive in order to get that discomfort to go away. So these small adjustments that we do on the cushion, facing discomfort, allow us to face discomfort in the real world. Like when someone says something that might piss you off and you realize it would be no good to say anything in return because there's no point, it's not going to help anything. And you just can't, you just feel so impelled by how you feel to just lash out. It gives you space to be with that as well. So that you can might choose to say something but you aren't compelled to in the way that we just move our bodies when we're uncomfortable all the time, right? So um, don't underestimate the power of being with discomfort. Um, and then something else may well have something bigger, something that makes, A discomfort in your knees seem like small potatoes, like a grief or an anxiety or something else. And if something like that comes up, be with that in exactly the same way. And just like my student's therapist said to her, what shape does it have? You know, where is it in the body? If you had to give it a color, what color is it? These kinds of questions are really good because what they're doing is putting you in relationship to discomfort, but yet a relationship where you can still observe it. You're not drowning in it, you're not overwhelmed by it. So that's what's so smart about those kinds of questions is saying, attend to the discomfort, but also don't dive into it. Don't become lost in it, which is I think one of the things that can happen And which is one of the reasons why people are afraid of discomfort. So the thing is not to just wallow in whatever you're feeling, but to learn how to be in a certain kind of relationship with how you're feeling so that you're not overwhelmed, but you're also not avoiding. I mean, this is really the key. How do you stay in relationship with every single aspect of yourself? This is what meditation teaches us. So, um, please get now into a position in which we can sit for about 15 minutes.
1: It needs to be about 15. I want people to get a little uncomfortable. (laughs) So,
0: And you might just take a deep breath or two to settle back into this
1: next period of meditation. And just open yourself up again to sounds
0: in the environment around you. And by the way, if you're a person who has experience and prefers to follow the breath, please do that. It doesn't actually matter what anchor you use. Feel free to follow the breath if that feels better for you. But if you're new to the practice and you're not sure what anchor to use, just listen to sounds
1: around you as we did earlier. When thoughts pull you away, just come back to whatever anchor you're using, gently and without judgment. And if and when discomfort arises,
0: explore it, study it with some curiosity, observe it.
1: Notice the way it makes you want to react, to move your body, or perhaps just to flee into your mind. And after you're with the discomfort for a little bit, then just come back to the anchor.
0: And if the discomfort calls to you again, attend to it. over and over again, just eventually come back to
1: sounds or to the breath, if you're following the breath. Just by resolving not to move,
0: that may actually make your mind want to move even more. So just notice the way that the body rebels, the mind rebels against this intention. Explore it with curiosity because you're not gonna die. You're not gonna hurt yourself. So it's interesting to see how the mind and body can
1: just want so badly to make us move, seek out comfort. This resolve not to move shouldn't be a macho thing, not trying to be tough, not trying to grit our teeth. We're opening to how we feel in a soft way,
0: letting ourselves experience whatever we're feeling. If you notice yourself getting hard
1: trying to tough it out. See if you can soften that attitude And if there's nothing particularly uncomfortable or you feel discomfort, but it's not particularly
0: calling to your attention, just let your mind, your awareness reside in the anchor, listening for sounds, following the breath. You're not hunting for discomfort. It's just, if it comes, explore it. If it begs for you to move, explore that feeling. Otherwise, just
1: be with your breath, be with the sound. Do you feel an impulse to move or to scratch an itch? Let your awareness really explore that impulse, a fine level of detail Where does the impulse originate? What does it feel like in the body? Just study it. Okay,
0: that's good for tonight, for the sitting. We have just 10 more minutes of class. I'm gonna open it up for discussion Q&A. But I think one thing that I want to say earlier, which I forgot to mention, is that in prior classes where I've talked about working with discomfort, I think I focused on the ways in which our awareness can really sort to start to decompose um, difficult emotions, sort to like understand that what seems so solid at first is actually constituted by a flow or a constellation of different sensations or thoughts, that what seems like this is actually just a kind of array of different kinds of sensations. And you can see that, you know, they're not really as solid as we thought. And that really transforms our experience of those difficult emotions. Buddhists call this seeing the emptiness of phenomena. What seems so solid is actually understood to be just made up of many, many, many different component parts. Um, but tonight I actually want to emphasize something different. That's what I've often talked about, you know, really getting into the sensations, exploring them in depth in order to have that kind of insight into their nature. I think what I haven't given enough credit to, you, and I think what, I'm, what, I'm, what I was trying to sort of gesture towards tonight is actually just the importance of toleration, just the importance of being able to tolerate what we're feeling, even when we can't see it at that like level of detail. Um, it is hugely beneficial and important just to be able to increase our tolerance for whatever we're feeling and I, I don't know anything more powerful to do that than meditation practice. And actually, I think that, um, and I've often shared this story, but like when I moved to Zen Center, um, I had a really terrible eating disorder, which I sort of given up on ever being able to heal. And and anyone who in in online or in this room who's had experience with um, disordered eating knows that you know the, the, the belly, the whole body is churning with impulses and feelings. Right? It just leads one to You know, it's like very impulsive. And I think that one of the the reasons that just sitting meditation for a few months actually just like transformed that is because it gave me a, a way to tolerate what my body was feeling. Instead of immediately going from feeling to action without even any thought intervening, Um, I could just feel what the sensations were without having to do something about it. It didn't feel good for a long time, but it was, radically better than feel like I had to act, you know, so, um, in any case, so that's, that's all I want to say for tonight. So are there questions or comments online in person? It could be questions about of practice or questions about what I said, or just sharing your own thoughts, um, about
1: anything. The floor is totally open. I'd like to share a sort of humorous thing from my experience
2: tonight. Can you hear me?
0: Audio, audio is not so great, Austin, but I think it's just a connection issue, yeah.
2: Um, if I talk loudly, is it okay?
0: That this is good.
2: Perfect. Um, well, I just adopted two kittens and one of them pooped right as we were starting and I'm sitting sort of close to the litter box and it doesn't really match the smell that quickly I learned. So at first I was, practice, I was like really just smelling shit and feeling it, it like in my nose. And it was like it was totally disgusting.
1: Um, and, and I was sort of following the breath. And um, then I started feeling this like, like huge like,
2: sort of like a, like a welling of tension or sadness in my, um, like coming from my belly, like upwards. And um, I totally, like, I totally wanted to go back to the shit. Like, <laughs> I, I like reached back to my nose. I was like, I, I want to follow my breath there
1: instead. Like, this is, that's that is what I cannot deal with. That's great. Thank you, Austin. Wow, yeah. Um,
0: I think we'll, I'll move the screen when someone's talking, yeah. Anyone here have a thought or a question or anything? Or even just sharing how the practice was?
1: Because I can imagine it might've been a little bit difficult for people. I don't know. I just had a question.
2: Um, I think I found it hard to focus or like have my anchor while also having like the focus on not moving. And so I was wondering if like that the stillness should replace the anchor or like how you can have the two work alongside each other.
0: So... um... I, I, I actually I don't think stillness is something that you have to focus on, though I can understand when it's like understood to be like a um something to oh sorry hold on a second something's going on with my zoom okay and so I can understand why when um, you were given the instruction to not move that it feels like something that's on your mind right. Um, but ideally, it's actually not something that you need to think about. It's only something that comes up if you feel the impulse to move, you know? And then I think what you're tending to is that impulse that makes you want to move. Um. So yeah, I, I, I didn't mean it to be something to hold in mind, you know, though, though I can understand why it seemed like something that, that natural to think about. Um. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Um, wait. Uh, Okay, Laura. Um, actually, Laura, just so you know, like the chat doesn't work at all for people who are in the room. So if you want to, if if you would share it, you know, um, um, verbally, that would be better.
2: Okay, sorry, it took me a second to deal with mute unmute. So it, it it's one of those simple. I feel gushy, silly saying this, but like it was just so helpful that you. It, Explicitly spoke about the connection between learning to tolerate body sensation without instantly acting and that the idea of being able to pause before acting and reacting in human society. I, you know, the Viktor Frankl quote that, you know, the pause is where freedom resides. And um, so, thank you. It, it's, it's, so simple, but
0: so profound. Um, thank you. Uh, thanks, Laura, for saying that, you know, because I think if you if you don't see that connection, then it just seems like this kind of like somewhat macho thing, like I'm not supposed to move just because, you know, like, w- why? But the real deeper logic is precisely this connection between impulse and action and, and the way that we can actually um, hold our, our um, feelings in, with, with more spaciousness if we can give ourselves the opportunity to not be reactive. Um, So, you know, it is actually one of the classic instructions in traditional Zen meditation to not move. Um, And even Ezra actually says at the beginning of every sitting that he leads, like the one most important thing he says is don't move. Um, And this is why I think for a lot of reasons that I, I stand by, I'm a little bit like not so hardcore on that, you know, And I want people to know that they can move if they want, but I also want them to understand what the benefits of choosing not to move might be, you know, if you practice it rigorously over time. Um,
2: Bernie, I have a question.
0: Janet, please go ahead. I'm just gonna pass the mic to someone.
3: Do, do you want me to go first,
2: or no, J-
3: Janet? You can go first. Oh, <laughs> uh,
2: so uh, my question is about so uh, a lot of involuntary movement was happening for me during that sit, and um, I guess what do you think about that and?
0: Involuntary movements aren't a problem at all if the body moves on its own it moves you know um so you know all I was talking about was in, it, intentional movement I mean obviously like it's an interesting line because I mean some of these intentional movements are talking about like where we move to get more comfortable sort of seem automatic but they're not they' they're, they're impulses that we're choosing to, to, to follow the kinds of movements I think you're talking about Janet are beyond our control and so, so that's just become something that you accept and unfold into your awareness, you know, bodies can sway, they can tremble, all different things can happen during meditation. There's no reason to get hung up about any of it.
2: Okay. Thank you. Yeah,
0: not, not a problem. And not at all the kind of movement I was talking about. Yeah. Franklin. here. Sorry, I don't know why I passed the mic to you first.
3: Uh, I was just going to say, Uh, Sometimes it's hard not to judge yourself. And one of the good solutions for that is gratitude, but it's hard to be truly grateful a lot. And in not moving, I couldn't help but think how much I am grateful that I can move when I choose to do so. And so, yeah, I've, I've never experienced that before where in prohibiting yourself from doing something, and also being conscious that if you choose to do so, because you have the power to do so, you can, but in, in making the choice not to do something, you, at least in my case, I developed a little more gratitude that's maybe more genuine than just telling yourself to be grateful, uh, which, yeah. Thanks.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, I think that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful experience. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. Oh, it's 8.32, I realized. Um, so we should wrap it up, but thank you, Franklin. And actually that's a perfect segue because um, I already know that next week what I wanna talk about is gratitude. Um, and I think I, um, I have some thoughts about like, not only why gratitude, like, like what gratitude practice is about, but also I think why it's so powerful to practice gratitude. So I just want to share some some stuff that I've been thinking about that next time. So, um, so everyone I'm I, tonight might've felt a little clunky because the space is new and all this stuff. And I hope the sounds are okay. I don't know, you know, yeah, I feel like it's good grist for the practice mill, you know, to, to be attending to sounds. And um, it's wonderful to see you all here. It's wonderful to see you all online. So one thing I like to do when I end um, is for us to sit silently together for like, just about 30, 45 seconds so that we end with a moment of quiet. So if you wouldn't mind just indulging me in that, I'd like to end that way. Um, and I'll say when the, the, this brief period is over. Thank you everyone for being here. Look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye,
1: everyone. Thank you, Bernie.